not stopped, but it was finally slackening. It tapped on the yellow hood of the boy's slicker, sounding to his ears like rain on a shed roof, a comfortable, almost cozy sound. The boy in the yellow slicker was George Denbro. He was six. His brother William, known to most of the kids at Derry Elementary School and even to the teachers who would never have used the nickname to his face, as Stuttering Bill, was at home hacking out the last of a nasty case of influenza. In that autumn of 1957, eight months before the real horrors began, and 28 years before the final showdown, Stuttering Bill was ten years old. Bill had made the boat beside which George ran now. He had made it sitting up in bed, his back propped against a pile of pillows, while their mother played Fur Elisa on the piano in the parlor, and rain swept restlessly against his bedroom window. About three-quarters of the way down the block, as one headed toward the intersection and the dead traffic light, Witcham Street was blocked to motor traffic by smudge pots and four orange sawhorses. Stenciled across each of the horses was Derry Department of Public Works. Beyond them, the rain had spilled out of gutters clogged with branches and rocks and big sticky piles of autumn leaves. The water had first pried finger holds in the paving and then snatched whole greedy handfuls, all of this by the third day of the rains. By noon of the fourth day, big chunks of the street's surface were boating through the intersection of Jackson and Witcham like miniature whitewater rafts. By that time, many people in Derry had begun to make nervous jokes about arcs. The Public Works Department had managed to keep Jackson Street open, but Witcham was impassable from the sawhorses all the way to the center of town. But everyone agreed the worst was over. The Kanduskeeg stream had crested just below its banks in the barrens and bare inches below the concrete sides of the canal, which channeled it tightly as it passed through downtown. Right now, a gang of men, Zach Dembro, George's and Bill's father among them, were removing the sandbags they had thrown up the day before with such panicky haste. Yesterday, overflow and expensive flood damage had seemed almost inevitable. God knew it had happened before. The flooding in 1931 had been a disaster, which had cost millions of dollars and almost two dozen lives. That was a long time ago, but there were still enough people around who remembered it to scare the rest. One of the flood victims had been found 25 miles east, in Bucksport. The fish had eaten this unfortunate gentleman's eyes, three of his fingers, his penis, and most of his left foot. Clutched in what remained of his hands had been a Ford steering wheel. Now, though, the river was receding, and when the new Bangor Hydro Dam went in upstream, the river would cease to be a threat. Or so said Zach Dembro, who worked for Bangor Hydroelectric. As for the rest, well, future floods could take care of themselves. The thing was to get through this one, to get the power back on, and then to forget it. In Derry, such forgetting of tragedy and disaster was almost an art, as Bill Denbro would come to discover in the course of time. George paused, just beyond the sawhorses at the edge of a deep ravine that had been cut through the tar surface of Witcham Street. This ravine ran on an almost exact diagonal. It ended on the far side of the street roughly forty feet farther down the hill from where he now stood, on the right. He laughed aloud, the sound of solitary, childish glee, a bright runner in that gray afternoon, as a vagary of 
the flowing water took his paper boat into a scale model rapids, which had been formed by the break in the tar. The urgent water had cut a channel, which ran along the diagonal, and so his boat traveled from one side of Witcham Street to the other, the current carrying it so fast that George had to sprint to keep up with it. Water sprayed out from beneath his galoshes in muddy sheets. Their buckles made a jolly jingling as George Dembro ran toward his strange death. And the feeling which filled him at that moment was clear and simple love for his brother Bill. Love and a touch of regret that Bill couldn't be here to see this and be a part of it. Of course, he would try to describe it to Bill when he got home. But he knew he wouldn't be able to make Bill see it, the way Bill would have been able to make him see it if their positions had been reversed. Bill was good at reading and writing, but even at his age, George was wise enough to know that wasn't the only reason why Bill got...